Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. I am truly excited today to welcome Michaela McGivern to the podcast. Michaela is a psychic, medium, shaman, and energy medicine practitioner. She helps people heal on all levels and find peace and resolution in their lives and access their authentic power and expression by releasing stress, emotional wounding, and trauma in the subtle energy body. For the past 23 years, she's been collaborating with her guides to offer new perspectives on personal and business issues. Her psychic readings provide insights that inspire clients to move through their challenges, raise their vibration, and discover an optimal path to move forward. Welcome, Michaela, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So the most obvious place to start is when did you first discover that you had psychic ability? I was just knee high to a grasshopper, as the Aussies would say. I was probably around four and I spent a lot of time out in nature because we lived in Ohio and we had all this acreage around. And so there were these, you know, there were bugs and there were birds and there was the sun and the elements and I could just interact with all of them. So that seemed really normal to me. And I didn't explain that to anyone, but it, if you can feel what's going on in nature, your abilities are already open. And most kids, you know, from the age of zero to six going on seven, are able to do this. They're able to see things on the invisible plane. So what I was doing wasn't anything unusual for a kid. By the time they get to school around seven, that tends to either shut down or stay open. But for most kids, it shuts down. And for me, it kind of opened and closed and opened and closed until finally, you know, it opened. Well, I owned it more fully, probably in the mid nineties when I lived in Europe. So it was a, it was an up and down journey. I got a little freaked out in college when I was hearing voices and thought I was going to be schizophrenic. <laughs> so I wasn't, fortunately, but I was quite scared, like what's going on. And I didn't understand that that was a form of guidance coming through. Um, but you know, you have to be willing to receive it in, in, on a certain level and work with it. And I didn't have any teachers at that time. So it took me a while to find the right teachers and opportunities until it really started to blossom and I owned it. Um, so you, you mentioned hearing voices. Could you actually understand the messages that you were receiving? 
yes, I could understand them. And they, they were positive, but I didn't, I knew they weren't my voice. And so that's what was scary for me. It was like, what's going on? It was about five in the morning. I'd gotten up in college to study early because I, I didn't do very well studying late at night. And I was sitting in a chair and I was just suddenly hearing all this stuff that, and very clearly in English, complete sentences, made sense, but I knew it wasn't me. And I didn't have any awareness of where it was coming from. But mind you, I'd also never put this together until just now. I'd always been a really curious person about religion and spirituality. I grew up as uh, I was educated until 12th grade in Catholic schools and boarding school. And there was a lot of dogma that was taught to me, but I did not embrace it as my experience of the divine. I had a very different experience, which was more nature based. And I just, it didn't resonate as true for me. And then when I went to college, I wanted to study about how other practices, people in other practices, religious practices, experience cosmology and the divine. And so I started studying that. So I'd always been pretty open to that. Um, and I took many, many different classes about different spiritual paths because that's what fascinated me the most. So it, as I'm realizing now, it probably wasn't unusual that that happened to me. It was just another expression of the divine coming through but not one that anybody had written about or I'd been educated about. So I, I didn't know what to do with it. So there you go. that's how it started. Were you also able to connect through meditation? I don't think I started meditating until I was in my later 20s. Um, so at this point, I was just being quiet and hanging out and studying, and I loved to be in nature. So I didn't have any formal practice at that point. Not my early you know, 18, 19, 20s. You know, it, it didn't show up until later when I felt like I need something to ground me, to kind of give me a space to go sit and I need to learn how to meditate. And at that point, I was living in California and I went to um, probably a Buddhist um, retreat center and sat with them every Sunday. And I just felt very much at home. I was like, oh. Yeah, I get this. And you know, probably many lifetimes I've done that, worked in a Buddhist practice. And I just felt at home. So that's how I began to expand that meditation practice. That's that's fascinating. Um before the call, I mentioned that uh there have been references to the four clairs. Can you explain what they are and how how they're they're interpreted yeah we all have access to these senses so it's not like i've got them you don't or you don't and i do i mean it's it's not like that we all have that capacity so the first one that most people are familiar with is is um clairvoyant being able to see things maybe you see um entities that aren't alive, or maybe you see images of things in association with a conversation. And that's called clairvoyant. The other one, clear audience, is when you can hear things very clearly. And that was the first sense that opened up for me when, in my, when I was 18. Um, when I was a child, clairvoyant was very easy for me. I saw angels and I saw disembodied souls and I could just read vibrations. So that was 
my experience when I first started. Clairsentient is clear feeling. So sometimes if I'm doing a reading I will, for someone, I'll be able to start feeling in my body, because we're all in a unified field, what that person is feeling. And it kind of goes in these layers. So I might say, are you experiencing sadness? And then that moves into grief. And then it looks like, how about hopelessness? Because my body will tell me what their body is registering. And I'm not in their body, but I'm just able to sense it. So that's clairsentient. Clear cognizance is um, clear knowing. And it's for me, it shows up like just a download of information. So I was working with someone earlier and I she was having difficulty sleeping and I and I just knew instantly this supplement would be helpful to her. Or I hear I heard, I heard, I heard. <laughs> um, no, she needs a Bach flower essence. In fact, she needs both things. So I knew the supplement and I heard Dows for what? flower essence she needs. So I just trusted that and went forward with that. So that's a combination there of, of clairaudient mixed with claircognizance, clear knowing. I, I don't have this ability, but some other people do. It's called clairalience. It's clear smelling. So this is the ability to perceive things that are going on in people that other people don't know. For example, there are people who can smell cancer, who can smell when your blood sugar is out of alignment. Obviously, dogs have are clear aliens. They perceive the world in smells. We have that capacity. It's just not quite as expanded as other, other animals. Um, that can be really helpful when, I mean, I've had it a few times, but it's not my primary sense. But sometimes if emotions can have smells, and it's really kind of strange to me and weird, but it's like, what is that toxic smell? And then it will open up what the emotion is or the event. So occasionally it will come in as like, hello, you need to pay attention to this event. And the last one is clear gustance, which is, um, which is clear tasting. So actually sometimes this happens for me where if I'm working on someone, I'll get maybe a bitter taste or something sweet or something acrid in the back of my tongue. It's a tip off that, to what's happening in their energetic field or what an experience might have been like for them. So those are the clear, uh, the clear senses, and everybody has the capacity. It's just a question of what you're attuned to. Um, if you know that you do have some sense that you have one of these, how do you tap into it? How, how, how do you um, learn to interpret? Well, those are two questions, and they're really good ones. The first one is, don't run to the psychiatrist and ask if you're crazy, <laughs> like I did. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm hearing voices. What do I do? You know, because, well, maybe some of them know. I don't know. <laughs> the one that I went to, she says, you're fine. Don't worry. I was really grateful I got her that day. <laughs> Others might think you're, you're a little nuts. So, you know, you're hearing voices. Are you having a schizophrenic break? So that's why I suggest maybe just hang with it for a bit. So the first thing I would do is sit with it. If you get a sensation on one of those levels, sit with it and be curious, but do not try to figure it out. So this is a, a case where it's really helpful to suspend your left um, cynical or critical or dogmatic brain. Just 
put it out in the garden, give it a job and see what arises as you get that information because you're being given information for a reason. So if you sit with it quietly and just kind of let it move you and just notice where is it taking me? What's coming up? Is this about me? Is it about something I need to pay attention to? Um, is this something about a job you know, or a situation I'm in? And just be curious is the first thing and don't freak out. <laughs> just know that information comes to us all the time. When you meet somebody, most of us have a good sense right away. Am I in sync with this person or am I not? So that's another way intuition shows up. So this is just an expanded version of intuition. We all have it. So the first thing is sit with it. Don't question it. And trust that it's being given as a gift to you. Okay. The second um, approach to use with that, once you get familiar with it, is to ask questions. Okay. Who is this for? How can I use that? So then you're actually calling upon maybe your guides to help you understand what the meaning of it is. Um, another way to work with it, which my guides are just telling me right now, is to sit down and just draw it out. Okay? Just draw out what's the energy of this. Or let your left, if you're right-handed, let your left hand sketch something out. Or close your eyes and just do it that way. So use another sense to access what that information is about. So you told me a story about your granddaughter doing a finger painting and only you could see the fox. So if that information came to you, you might say, okay, why is a fox coming to me? What's the strength of a fox? There's fox medicine you can look up. But what's my relationship with that fox? Is it based on something that happened when I was much younger or another period of time? Or do I like it as a symbol? Or is it looking at me with a particular emotional like strength or courage or curiosity or softness? So curiosity basically is where you want to take yourself when you're being presented with some information, but don't think you have to figure it out because you'll limit yourself. So what you're saying is that if a person can looks at a painting or a drawing and um, perceives an image that it's possible that they're perceiving an image that other people may not perceive? We all have our filters. Yeah, absolutely. Or they just might not have a resonance. They might not even notice it because it doesn't resonate with their vibrational frequency. So. Like in the painting behind you, somebody might see the face of an animal. Somebody else might see a wave. Someone else might only see the sunshine. So we're going to attune to what resonates with us. And the rest we kind of don't attune to or don't pay attention to. And the same thing happens with people. You know, you might walk into a room and you're drawn to somebody because there's a vibrational match. And you might not see the rest of the people in the room. Or you might not, you might see them, but not choose to hang out with them because you're really drawn to this. Well, there's, we're all vibration. So whether it's a painting, whether it's a person or an animal, you know, people say, I walked into the room and this animal and I locked eyes and we knew we were meant for each other. It's no different. Or plants, you go to the nursery. That plant says, buy me, I want to be in your garden. Same kind of thing. <laughs> or, you know, the, the 
the Buddhist uh, print behind me, I opened the book and I got this really, really strong vibration of, you need to put this up behind you. So it can happen anywhere, any place, any time. It even happens with food. You know, if you go to the grocery store, things will, if you're really tuning in, what do I, what does my body need? Oh, does it need okra, celery, kale? Does it need candy? You know, like, <laughs> so you can use that skill across the board with everything. That's amazing. Um, I can honestly say when I go to the nursery, there aren't any plants who want to come home with me. <laughs> Just you wait, ask them to talk to you and then you might have a conversation. <laughs> I did. I did, however, know someone and she had a beautiful garden and she did resonate with all of the plants and she would move them to different places because they needed to move. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, and her plants were beautiful, really, really beautiful. So I, that's amazing. I never thought about it that way. But from now on, I'll definitely pay more attention. So you mentioned guides. And I've heard that mentioned uh, a number of times. It is said that we all have guides. but how do we how do we communicate with them and i understand that sometimes they change mm -hmm. tell us more about that let me so my guides are saying back up guides can come in the form of power animals so when when i do a lot of shamanic work i have specific guides like i have a couple dragons that work for me when i'm doing some really difficult work um i've got some felines that work with me i've got some wisdom keepers you know like eagle that works with me so so it depends on on the arena i'm working in who shows up okay then there are angelic beings okay there's that realm and then there's the deities from different spiritual traditions so i have one from an egyptian tradition i have one from the, um, the buddhist tradition i have a guide actually who helps me as a medium he he showed up and did a reading for his mother who lost her son. And he, he was very clear in his communication. After that reading, he came to me and said, I want to be your guide. So he's just a regular, a regular amazing guy who helps me. Um, so I have a different, there are different kinds of guides. And sometimes I call on some guides for some things. Sometimes I just call on the whole group. But it depends on what's necessary. So some people might have, for example, um, a Native American behind them, and they might have had some of that blood in their lineage. Some people have guides in that those are relatives who are wise, who've crossed over, but want to help out. So there's many different forms that guides will take, um, many different forms of how they will show up. Some people have pets who will show up as their guides. So actually... <laughs> I'm just getting filled with all these different kinds of guides as I'm talking about this. I'm just kind of chuckling, you know. So if you, if in the Peruvian shamanic tradition, the, the different animals, for example, the north, south, east, and west, east, each of these areas have a different kind of animal that has a different representation. So jaguar is the protector. 
hummingbird in the north is the one that brings the sweetness. Condor eagle in the east gives you the, the precise vision for the, the bigger path. And the um, so it's the snake. There's a Peruvian word I can't think of. But that one's for shedding skins, like letting go of your past so you can be fully in the present. So they can also be guides. So it's, some of it depends on the tradition you've been, you've come from maybe this lifetime or last. Some guides stay with you and then they take you so far and other new guides come in. I've seen that happen in healings. Um, so it kind of depends. You know, like you have friends for a while and then some friends drop off and new friends come in and some friends stay forever. Guides are kind of like that too. And how much, how much does all of that relate to um, maybe your soul's journey? Everybody's soul's journey is unique for this lifetime. Some people don't give a hoot about guides and they're not oriented towards them and their soul's journey. And that's just fine. It's just not what they're exploring now. Other people have some awareness and other people like me are like fully engaged. And any way you do it, it's fine. Okay. Because from my perspective, every lifetime, your soul is exploring some other experience, whether it's a really difficult experience to learn about compassion, surrender, love. You know, they're all different lessons of love and just how you're going to get them. Or it's a lesson where you're sitting in a monastery and, and you're going to learn different things there. So from my perspective, the soul has an infinite number of lifetimes. So let's be interesting. Let's try them all out, right? Okay, one. Lifetime, I'm going to be a horrific person. Another one, I'm going to be a sweet person and kind. Another one, I'm just kind of like a boring person. It's all okay. So maybe this lifetime, I've probably been working up to this point where I could work with all these different guides for a lot of lifetimes because my soul was designed essentially to work in these other realms so that I could help people bring in information from other realms, have access to healing methods, and and wisdom from those realms but it usually also is our journeys are an accumulation of many many lifetimes and experiences to get us to where we are some of us have been around a really long time and some of us are just like oh, i'm kind of new here what am i going to look at there's no right or wrong there's no better or worse it's just what are you exploring um it's fascinating and you said um uh, in another interview that i heard about the colliding of energies and that uh, there are times when we can subconsciously bring energy toward us or repel that energy. I'm going to... Sorry, I'm pausing here because... When you start talking about that, I was actually getting this macro vision. Because right now, on our planet, there is a massive collision of energy happening. And the energy that's coming in is very much the divine feminine, the Mother Earth, who's saying enough of this imbalance. In the last 150 years or more on this planet, we have dried up the aquifers, we've contaminated the land, the animals, we've taken down the forest. You know, we know that we know this. 
and we've polluted the oceans. We've been horrifically disrespectful and unconscious about taking care of the earth, which is a sentient being. And finally, the Mother Earth is saying, enough of this. The political systems are a mess. And it's just, it's just like, so what's happening is this massive infusion of love is coming up, but love isn't always gentle. It's also saying, let's look at the, the dark side of what's been created here on every level. What's happening with the planet, what's happening in relationships between uh, countries, you know, wars, et cetera, et cetera. And it's time to shift this dynamic out of disrespect, violence, and a lack of love. So the collision of energies can happen on the macro level. It's happening on the planetary level. It's really here to purge out what isn't working. We're moving into a whole new sphere of hopefully a collaborative understanding that we are all connected and we need to understand it's not all about us as an individual. It's about us as a collective. So we're getting a lot of lessons in that. Simultaneously in our own lives, when we're into drama and we're into poor me or victimhood, we're going to draw more of that energy to us. If we're into, I'm going to really work on being kind as you have been and, and generous and promoting other people, you're going to experience more of that because we are magnetic and we attract energy like attracts like. So I would guess you being a generous person, people really respond positively and are generous and appreciative back. If you're into a trauma drama victim life, you're going to attract more of that and you're going to keep getting it back until you go, well, wait a minute, is this what I want in my life? So the collision happens for us also as a wake-up call to look at What's out of balance? Am I taking care of myself? Am I being kind and listening to myself? Am I, you know, driving myself into, you know, a workaholic haze that I can't even, you know, and my body's just collapsing with all the work? Or am I finding balance? Am I socially connecting with people? Am I in a place of gratitude? You know, there's all kinds of ways to bring in balance. Or am I just numbing out on computer games and TVs and junk food and you know there are a lot of ways to do it it's just how do i want to do it you know you know like okay that's one option so the the collision on the micro level that happens within ourselves is also happening outside and the outside is also affecting us inside so what we listen to what we read what we digest what we think is all being reflected back to us but we can also we can we can also decide even on the most basic level, to change incrementally. Yes. So the, the choices we make, we, we can make very subtle choices and, and move that forward. And it doesn't have to be on a grand scale. But if more and more people move in a more positive direction, it eventually will create a better a better situation for all of us. You say that so perfectly. You know, people talk about you know the one rain, one drop of water that goes into an ocean, it, it keeps rippling out. That's essentially what happens when what, whatever choice you make, it continues to ripple. And when we get that, it's like, oh my gosh, you mean the people in Indonesia can feel it and I can feel them? Yes. Can I feel what's going on in Turkey? Yes. How can I, what choice do I want to make as to how I want to impact? Do I want to give to them? Do I want to pray for them? Do I want to hold them in my heart? Or do I want to ignore it? You know, 
it has an impact no matter what. At the grocery store, if you're pleasant to the, the cashier and appreciative, it's going to make their day better. So they're going to be nicer to the next person down the road and the next. And the, so we sometimes underestimate the power that we have with our words, our tone of voice, and our actions and our choices. They're profound for good and for, for not so great. So there's, it's always a choice point. You know, I was reading, um, I don't know, several weeks ago, something about the butterfly effect. Is that what you're speaking about? When a butterfly flaps its wings, the energy still resonates. Yes. It's, it's as simple as, well, I'll tell you an experience I had. Do you remember when there's that enormous tsunami in Indonesia? Yeah. I didn't live in Indonesia. I lived in California. I could feel the devastation of that. I mean, it still makes me cry, actually. It's like bringing up tears. I was, it was like a tsunami happened within me. So what I was drawn to do with that was, you know, just to hold love and compassion and prayers and send what I could. But it's, we're designed to be attuned to the universe so that we can respond. It's when we numb out that we forget that we're connected. And usually we get really lonely too. So the more we're connected with nature, with one another, and knowing that it's just reflecting something back within us, the more we feel connected with the all that is. Wow. It's just one big field of energy. It's all vibration. Amazing. I will have to think about that. A lot more. <laughs> so, you work with a number uh, with people on different levels. I think that a lot of people think about uh, people who seek people like you to help them with people who have crossed over. Tell us about how you help people in that particular area. I love this area as a medium. And I do it a little differently from some of the famous people. Some of those are um, mediums. They're really helpful because they validate that that person is still alive as a being. Okay. Super great. It isn't my calling to work that way because I'm called to bring people on the other side to have really healing conversations with the people on this side. So those conversations can range from why did you take your life? What was going on? Did you love me? Did you understand what was happened, this was going to happen? To, okay, can you help me deal with my uncle who's stolen my property that you left for me? Really pragmatic. To, I just need to know you're okay. Are you around? I mean, this was a really sweet story. A woman's husband passed and she wanted to know if he was around. It was a really lovely, practical, kind, caring guy. He goes, yeah, I'm a turkey in your backyard. She goes, no, you can't be. It's like, hey. so I started laughing too. Like, what do I know about turkeys, you know? So we looked up what turkey medicine was. It exactly described him. And then she got it. So sometimes people want affirmation or confirmation. Their loved ones around, you know, they want help. Or they feel really badly about something. Or they're confused or sad. I've had many conversations with my mother who has passed, who passed 10 years ago. And those conversations have evolved from her being really mad at me and blaming me to showing up yesterday saying, 
I'm really sorry. I really recognize what I did and how I traumatized you in this and this and this way. And it was genuine. Ten years ago, she was like really pissed off at me. Like, why did you do? I'm like, okay. (laughs) So souls grow and evolve on the other side. And that's something I didn't know before I did this. So my father's been gone for almost 40 years. I hadn't talked to him for like 35 of those years. And now he shows up and he has all kinds of wisdom. I'm like, well, this is cool. He wasn't wise when he passed over, but he'd done a lot of healing. So he evolved to a point where he could actually recognize that he could bring some valuable things to me to share. So um, for me, talking, you know, being medium is like people on the other side are still exploring and growing and changing just like we are here because their soul goes on after they leave. They just drop this body, but their soul is still learning. So they bring all kinds of cool messages. And I'm just the pizza delivery person, but I also will listen deeply if I can hear that there's an issue that's hanging around that wants to be discussed. And I might actually ask, you know, either the person who's here with me or the other side, what about this? Is this something you want to talk about? Because I can kind of sense when something isn't being discussed that both parties want to talk about to, to heal something, to resolve something or to forgive each other. Oh, that's fascinating. That is truly fascinating because I I know of someone in my life who passed and it was not a good situation. Our relationship was really bad at the time. But over the years, I don't have that same energy that I had then. And when you're saying that, I'm thinking about how maybe her soul and me have evolved into a different place. So I'll have to take a, a closer look at that. So you work with with people who communicate with people who have passed over. You also work with realtors. So, or with people who maybe need to clear space in their lives or in their environment. Tell us more about that as well. So I do space and land clearing, and I also do clearings with people. So people have their own stuff. So does land, and so do houses. So for me, it's all the same. (laughs) Not quite, but I'm looking for what are the issues, and what's the outcome people are looking for. Um, So if I go into, okay, I can talk about this one. I went to a family's home. They were having a lot of challenges there. So I first, and it's in North Carolina, so North Carolina had a lot of tragedies. The Cherokee were moved off their land. There was a civil war here. There, was a, there were a lot of land violations. Um, so you've, we're sitting in these beautiful mountains, but there's a lot of stuff that went down. So I looked at this home and I was like, and then this family had a lot of really different, a lot of dark, difficult times, okay, in the house and in the family through about 15 years of being there. So when I went in, I looked at well, who's hanging around that's passed over that has is still stuck to the land. So I cleared like 10 Cherokees who'd been murdered there and buried there, and they were stuck. And so there was a lot of grief and sadness and violation. And, and then I actually saw the perpetrators, which was a little unnerving for me, but it happens. And those were 
white soldiers who were doing their job as soldiers, you know. Um, so they need a little help as well. So it cleared those souls out, and then it cleared the grief out of the land, the trauma, the, the bloodshed, the death, the, just the horrors out of the land. And then there was another event that took place with somebody who had lived there and cleared that trauma. And so when I clear a, a land, I look at what's hanging around that's blocking energy flowing. So it might be other entities, it might be dark energies, it might be trauma. I've cleared lands where there were slaves. And the slave soldiers, the slaves, excuse me, were still hanging on to the land because they didn't know where to go and they passed. And since all their grief and suffering was going into the land. Um, so after clearing this, just starting on the land, then I started clearing what was going on in the house as well. So clearing the emotional layer, what's happening in the family, and the physical layer. You know, what, what's, sometimes it's just like when you wash a floor, sometimes you have to wash it twice or three times because there's a lot of debris. Energetic debris builds up in our physical, our energetic structures, in the house structure, and in the land. So it's, it's clearing those. Um, I also look at how is their relationship with kind of the divine or sacred or the beings that exist on that land? Are they in harmony with them? Do they honor them? If not, let's clear that one. The karmic stuff that's happened, the tragedies, clear that off. And then what's the soul layer of the land wanting to express? And sometimes you have to bring bring back in the land fairies and the tree fairies. And like one tree had been chopped down, but the spirit of the tree was stuck there. So we moved the tree spirit into another tree so it could move on. So there's all kinds of things to look at, which just makes it really fascinating for me because I don't like to be bored. So in this work, there's, there's a lot to explore. And then whenever, as with people or businesses or groups, after the difficult stuff's moved out, then I bring in restorative energies of light. Red rose light of love, blue light of healing, the silver light of peace, the orange light of harmony, uh, the pure light of abundance or prosperity or sanctuary, all these kinds of things that will energetically imbue either the land, the person, or the property with what the people would like to bring into their lives. Peace, prosperity, most harmony, most of us want that. Um, sometimes I have to close uh, portals in the land that have been opened up to the underworld so that they don't keep coming through and saying hi and creating havoc. Um, so that's kind of how I work with land clearing. So when a business has been in a place for a long time, you know, there are conflicts that happen or financial loss, that energy hangs around and can then inform how other people behave or what happens to the business as an entity. So when you clear that, it's like it's a fresh start. Same with a home. It's for realtors, there are often houses that need to be cleared because there's been a divorce or domestic violence or there's been a, a rental. Uh, it's been a rental and there have been drug addicts there or whatever, you know, unsavory things. Or the house hasn't been well tended to, hasn't been taken care of, so the house and the land feel sort of neglected. And this is really helpful for realtors because when you clear all that stuck energy, then the house can essentially come alive and so can the land. And people walk in and go, oh, okay, this feels really good in here. And then people can imagine themselves in it. But if you're sitting in the mucky energy of what's happened in the past it's quite difficult people feel that and they don't want to hang out in it <laughs> it's like walking into a mud bath like 
no thank you i don't think i want to live here so that's where it's really helpful and sometimes it's great to do a space clearing after you bought a home too you haven't if it hasn't been cleared before because you want to start new and fresh it's like you paint the walls you clean the floors but you want to clear the energy as well so that you can create the vision of what you want to have in that house How interesting. Um, I know that um, for a lot of people have used sage as well. Um, what's the difference between what you do and, let's say, using sage and sm uh, the smoke of sage to clear energy? Sage is really helpful. It's kind of like a light dusting. But to clear at the level that I work at, looking at trauma, you know, ghosts, dark energies, um, drug history, the stage isn't going to be able to touch that because it doesn't have the intelligence and the intensity of energy that I do when I go in and I look at a property. So it's kind of like, let's, if you have a wall that's got a lot of scuff marks on it, you can clean those off. But if the, the wall needs to be repainted, it's, it's not going to do the same thing. So it's the level of depth that is needed sometimes in a space clearing. Um, that's when they call someone like me. And if it's just a simple little scuff mark or something, it, it, it may shift the energy, but it may not clear what's deeply embedded from who knows how many generations or centuries back to current time. And you can also work with people remotely as well. So it doesn't have to be in person. Tell us how that works. Well, I used to live in California, so almost everybody that I worked with was in person. But then I moved in 2020, so I'm the best outcome of COVID is Zoom, which is what you and I are doing. I'm like, without Zoom, I'd really be in trouble as a practitioner. So what I do is I, I have this very sweet rock, and uh, I create little thought forms. So this rock, for example, um, was representing the energy of your dog before. And then I have a couple others, and this one represented your other dog, which is why I knew your dog was quite a little chatty animal. And so I, my intention is to have the energy of that person or if it's, if it's a piece of land in that rock. And then what I do is I have this dowsing rod, and this dowsing rod tells me so many things. It can tell me the vitality of it, uh, what energies are stuck there, um, which direction to go in. It, you know, I can use it for lots and lots of questions and information gathering, and then it works with my guides. And so I create a thought form of someone, and then I connect with them. And then I start dowsing to figure out what's going on. And then we go to work because they can feel it. And the most important thing here is I can feel you. You, we, you and I talked before we got on this interview. I could feel you because there really isn't any time or space between us. You know? So I can feel people, I can feel them on the telephone. I can, I like Zoom better because I'm a visual person, but I can feel them on the phone too. So um, because I'm working with the vibration of light and light goes everywhere, they can immediately feel what I'm doing during, before, during, and afterwards. So as long as you're attuned to what's going on, you can, you can sense what's happening with yourself and the other person. And how do you protect yourself? I mean, uh, uh, before the call, I was saying that when I go into a networking event or I was at a vendor event and there was just so much energy yeah. and I was having such a difficult time 
um, because it was like bombarding me. How do you protect yourself? Well, when I don't go to large events anymore, really, because <laughs> I just choose not to. Costco was one of those experiences like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through here? Because I could pick up and sense people's energy. So, but when I had to go to Costco, when I used to live in California, I would just kind of literally, I would ground myself for the first thing. So I'd bring my energy in, my awareness in, pull it all in from people I'd been entangled with, pull it into me. Um, I can ground into my own energy structure. I can ground into the earth. Okay. So then I do that. And if I have this, I also am very present with what's mine, what's theirs. And I'm not interested in taking theirs home with me. So I, I want to keep my focus on what I'm there to do and not start sucking up or being a sponge with everybody else. So that's the first thing. And people do this unconsciously all the time. They say, I'm an empath. Oh, not the easiest thing to do. Because what it means is you're sponging up other people's emotions. So the alternative to being the empath is really being a witness. So viewing them with compassion, no judgment, and knowing they're exactly where they need to be on their path helps just create um, a sovereignty both within yourself. It's not your job to fix it, to jump in. It, yours is, your job is to take care of yours, and their job is to take care of themselves. So compassion really helps. Just knowing they're on their path helps. No judgment if possible. It's a little hard. I'm still working on it. Um, that's a good place to start right there. Um, there are some other techniques also, which are a little more complicated than this, which is working with your electromagnetic field. And that's something that Des Zuckerman taught me in um, the sacred anatomy classes. It's brilliant. There's a way to literally pull in your electromagnetic field so you feel like you're in your own cocoon as opposed to being out there and feeling everybody else. So that's, and the other part of that is understanding what your shadow is. So we all have a shadow. And if you're unaware of some shadow aspects of yourself that are coming up, like judgment, fear, anger, jealousy, hatred, they're all subtle. Um, variations on this. And if that's up, you're going to pull that energy into you. It's going to be a match. So it's also really doing your personal work, getting someone to help you or doing it on your own, however you know, to know what your shadow is and when it's coming up and how to work with it so that you don't pull in that kind of negative energy. And the flip side is going to gratitude, appreciation, being conscious of how you're interacting and being as loving and kind as you can be. It, it kind of offsets, you know, if you're, if you're more concerned with that part, you're going to be less <laughs> sidelined by your own shadow, generally speaking. But we all have shadow work to be done. So I, I recommend doing your own personal work. Wow. And I know that I have some work to do. So where can people find you? Because this is all fascinating and I definitely want to learn more. Uh, how do people find you and connect with you? My website is MichaelaMcGivern.com and it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-M-C-G-I-V-E-R-N.com. I'm on Facebook a little intermittently. I'm on LinkedIn a little bit more. And if people really want to find out if this work is right for them, 
they can go on my website and click a discovery call. It's a complimentary 30-minute call for me to meet you, you to meet me, and see if what I have to offer is a good fit for you. So it's it's literally just a chance to say, hmm, let's check each other out and, and see if it's a good match. Um, and do we want to move forward together? So that's easy. Um, and I'm in the process of creating a course with a realtor, actually, which is underdeveloped. And so that will come up on my website probably in the next two or three months. So keep your eyes out. They're welcome to sign up for a newsletter as well. And that information will be in the show notes. So I invite everyone listening to uh, check out the show notes. And I can't wait to learn more. I uh, thank you so very much for being my guest today. Thank you for the honor. It's been a total pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.